Hey, it's episode 51 of Aaron and Patricia. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And uh, you join us on the uh, 7th of uh, March of 2021. So coming up in the show, we're going to talk about the 1.9 trillion coronavirus relief plan passed uh, through last night. We're going to talk about some uh, COVID-19 uh, related news as well. Uh, text, uh, also, Facebook will end, end a ban on political ads. Also, uh, seven, six, sorry, six Dr. Seuss books will be discontinued. Uh, Super Nintendo World has been delayed. We're going to tell you about that as well. We're going to talk about uh, what TCM are doing in regards to cancel culture. We're also going to give you our thoughts on Paramount Plus. Uh, Disney's new animated film, uh, Rio and the Last Dragon, is released on Disney Plus. Also, Disney SpongeBob Squid. SpongeBob spin-off series about Patrick Star has been announced, and also there's some news about Lola Bunny in the upcoming Space Jam sequel. You're listening to Aaron and Patricia on the 7th of March of 2021. So, Patricia, do you want to tell everybody what's going on on the Old School Lane podcast? So, I have finally posted up the video that I've been hinting at over the past few weeks. So I have premiered a new show called Media Hall of Fame, where I take a look into stories discussing about the positives that's going on in the world of media, whether they be movies, TV shows, uh, video games, uh, comics, whatever. And this time around, I have talked about four different stories about how the fans became integral to their favorite animated shows. We've always hear a lot of negative news regarding about that the fans would be complaining or would be criticizing something that's either so petty or something that is not within their control, but they want to just lash it out anyway, uh, one of which we're going to be talking about later in the show. Uh, so I decided to focus on the positive aspects where I talk about four stories in which the fans of their favorite animated show became so passionate that they end up officially becoming a part of the shows themselves. So uh, I, I didn't get a lot of views, which I'm really sad to see, but I, I did put a lot of work and heart and uh, heart into it, and I hope that you do check it out and see what I talked about. Cool. Okay, then, let's get into the news. So, uh, the Senate passed a $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package plan uh, through through the uh, through last night. So, you're going to have to forgive me. Like, I'm not privy to, like, the entire, like, uh, what's actually in the plan and who's getting what. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to tell me more about what's going on. Sure thing. So, the Senate approved President Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief plan yesterday after a 24-hour debate and the senate was literally divided where the votes were from 50 to 49 so only by one vote that we were able to get this and the only reason why was because a uh, republican dan sullivan from alaska was not in the meeting because he was at a family funeral so here is what it entails so the package would be giving $1400 direct payments uh, individuals earning up to $75,000 and couples earning up to $150,000 will be receiving the full direct payment, but payments uh, would phase out for individuals and couples who make more than $80,000 and $160,000, respectfully. Uh, federal unemployment benefits will be extended through September 6th at the current rate of $300 per week, and the first $10,200 of those benefited will be tax-free from households that earn about $150,000 or less. And that was one of the major debates that was going on during the meeting. So, yeah, um, for those who are complaining about, you know, where's the 2000? Well, you know, we got the 600 a while ago. I mean, at least most of us did. I mean, I still haven't yet. But uh, the, the 1400 would eventually round it out to the 2000. Okay. I mean, like, uh, I don't know. I, I just think there was uh, too much negotiated away. 
I think. And uh, let's keep this in mind. Like, uh, this is uh, the coronavirus has done enormous damage to the U.S. economy, and so um, and also there's a lot of people who are currently just kind of sitting around, not being able to do anything right now because they're unemployed because they lost their jobs and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, dare I say, I'm not too sure. You know, you can say, oh, hey, it's uh, $1.9 trillion, but, uh, I mean, like, uh, the, the average household is really only going to see about uh, $1,400 of that. You know, so, like, yeah. uh, it's... Uh, um, on top of that as well, like, uh, you've got everyone down in Texas as well who are currently uh, not only having to weather the economic and also the uh, the coronavirus effects, also they've got the snowstorm as well, which is uh, raid havoc on uh, on their communities. And uh, also you've got various other uh, communities around um, the United States that also have their own difficulties as well. So, uh, I mean, uh, you can... I mean, the Democrats are no doubt going to milk this all the way to 2022 midterms. No doubt about that. Like, they say, oh, hey, we're the party that got it all done and the Republicans were the ones who, uh, you know, got in the way and, uh, you know, stopped us from, like, uh, doing this, that, and the other. But uh, at the same time, like, uh, you know, the... um I believe it was the uh, the the parliamentarian. I believe who's like the uh, the permanent like uh, uh, politician in there who uh, you know seems to easily get ignored in certain things. Apparently, he made uh, a recommendation about uh, you know the uh, the fourteen hundred not going to everybody, and everyone likes just kind of bow down and agreed to what he said. Which yeah, uh, is, that, uh, would not would not, would not have happened. happened. Would not have happened if it uh, would not have happened at any other uh, uh, house sitting. But uh, apparently, happened in this instance, which is kind of weird. Really? Yeah. So for those who are wondering what we're referring to, so the Senate uh, parliamentarian ruled that a plan to gradually increase the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2025 doesn't fit with the rules that govern the budget bills in the Senate. And so that's when they decided to include the coronavirus relief bill. I'm sure he said other things in the past and no one gives a shit. So why does he give a shit now? I really don't. I really Uh, don't understand. I think that, like we talked about earlier, I think that the parties are really starting to feel the heat. Like, oh man, now we really need to do something because if we don't, then we're going to be left in the dust. I mean, we talked about how a lot of the people left the Republican Party after Biden had won the election and they saw what happened during Capitol Hill. So I think that they, they were like, oh wait, we have this power to help the people. I think we need to actually use the power to help the people. Yeah. Well, at the minute, like, uh, um, for those who came away from this uh, disappointed, I was going to say, I've said from the get-go, like, he, he's going to basically, he, unless he's pushed into, like, doing things, like, uh, you know, like, uh, the whole coronavirus he's going to have to deal with, like, you know, that that's not going to go away. That's going to be, like, a, a giant elephant in the Oval Office for, like, you know, for a considerable amount of time. So he's going to be uh, preoccupied with that, no doubt about that. But unless he's pushed to do other things, he's not going to do them. You know, mm. so like uh, this is going to be um, it, the, America is in autopilot right now with with Joe Biden and uh, with uh, also with uh, these um, uh, the, these Democrats as well, because uh, there was various other Democrats who also didn't like, you know, particular things, including, you know, including the minimum wage thing, which, uh, you know, um, is crazy because like, uh, you know, all these, you know, the, these aging you know dinosaurs that currently occupy the, the the House and the Senate, when they were earning uh, minimum wage, like, I don't know who it was, which which, which uh, politician was it who said that, oh, well, back in my day, I was earning, like, $6 an hour on minimum wage, and stuff like oh. that. Which, yeah, which, like, you know, if, uh, keep this in mind, this was in 1970. If you round up the number for inflation, that he was earning, like, around about, like, $30, $40 an hour? Yeah, Minimum wage? So, like, you know, $15... Is like is nothing compared to $40 an hour. No. Well, we're talking about education, housing, 
cars, insurance, retirement plan, like all of that stuff was covered back then where, you know, a person can work at one job for about 40 something years and they would have um, income so that they can be able to support their families. They can actually buy a house in a really nice neighborhood. They have a nice retirement plan. So they'll never have to worry about work again, good health insurance for him, for themselves and for their family. So yeah, I mean, we don't have that by today's standards. I mean, unless, of course, you have a really, really, really good job. And uh, uh, kids will have nothing. Nope, absolutely nothing. No. And then people will be complaining about, like, oh, these kids are self-entitled and lazy and they don't work hard. Compared <laughs> to, to all the boomers that basically <laughs> had, like, uh, money handed to them by, gra by grandma and grandpa. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like you know, like uh, it's just that's what argues angers me about the about the whole the, the whole boomer generation. Like uh, it's not enough to say okay, boomer. It's kind of like okay, boomer. Like you got um, a whole hell of a lot of money from you know from grandma and grandpa who basically you know built things out of nothing, and now here you are saying that you know kids today you know don't don't know how to uh, how to cut it when you know like uh, the the only valuable thing they probably have in their possession is probably their iPhone. You know, compared to, like, when, you know, these people had, like, you know, cars, houses, you know, like, uh, various other stuff that uh, they probably wouldn't have had if, uh, you know, their their parents hadn't bailed them out at their, at their particular time. Yeah, you like, know? for example, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of them back then, they probably asked their parents for a car for their 16th birthday. And nowadays, I mean, you're lucky if you're able to, like, share a car with your family, let alone own one. Uh, I still have to share a car because I don't have the money to buy a car or to buy the insurance or if the car breaks down, um, that's hundreds of dollars that I don't have. Uh, so, yeah, and also a house, <laughs> let alone a house. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, like uh, it's just it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, the, uh, the 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 bar that they expect uh, you know this generation to to climb the to uh, to to raise to raise to is absolutely ridiculous and uh, they sit there and wonder why people make fun of them yeah exactly i mean they, they make fun of us all the time saying when i was your age i was able to do so much more you're just not working hard enough it's like you know we're put it in this large pedestal that we just can't follow and then we're set out to be the failures even though we've tried our very hardest to do so i mean the millennials have gone to school even more than the boomers and are able to get themselves an education that they wouldn't even dream of. But at the same time, we're, we're wallowing in student loans and debt. And then we have to work on these jobs because we're overqualified and there's just not a lot of jobs out there because of the status of the economy. And then we're just wondering, man, I, I'm such a failure. I, I, I fail to live up to my parents' expectations. And then we just feel really bad for ourselves. And well, then, then you realize um, where they're where their parents where your parents were and it's kind of like you know fuck you like you know you had it so easy you know like uh how on earth can you say say to me that uh, you know uh, uh we're, we're so so badly struggling you know we're so badly struggling right now when you when you had it had it pretty easy on the fast lane yeah, no. like there's a there's still a lot of us that are still either living at home or have to have roommates because rent is really really expensive. And especially for like really tiny apartments. Like I saw this video of somebody posting up a vlog about an apartment that was like $3,000 a month and it was like 800 square feet. Like, how are you going to be able to afford that with such little space to live in in the first place? Well, something here in London, they're uh, here in the UK. Like, uh, they're creating like you know, they're turning three bedroom houses into like you know, six apartments. 
You know, oh. like it's 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 uh, they they just don't care. You know, like uh, the, the, it's just it's uh, it's just oh yeah, these are uh, the, these kids will put up with it. I mean, for how much longer? You know, like uh, when, yeah. when the, somewhere down the line, the uh, the 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 back of this uh, economy is going to be broken pretty severely, and there's going to be massive fallout because of it. And so, uh, no doubt they'll have some other excuse. You know, like uh, like they always do. But uh, you know, like uh, these these politicians, you know, pandas to these people, and uh, unfortunately, uh, this is the situation that we've got. So, like, uh, you know, if you're uh, if you're struggling right now on a on a very small, you know, in in the gig economy, or if you're in a, you know, basically you're flipping burgers, or if you're uh, doing something that uh, is uh, really not, you know, paying the amount of money you should be paying, and you can't go any further, and uh, you're basically stuck in the same position uh, for the foreseeable future, you know, my heart really goes out to you. It really does, and it shouldn't be something that you should be going through at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Demand more, you know. Like, Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, um, so uh, our government has been trying to talk this down for so long, but uh, you just hear from like uh, you know immigration lawyers, and you just hear from uh, various other policy tanks and uh, everything like that, and uh, it's just is going to be a reality that unfortunately we're going to have to uh, deal with, and that is that uh, some countries are considering COVID nineteen passports, even though uh, it's pointed to uh, you know. Uh, health and ethical questions and everything like that. And so I'll, I'll yeah. start off on this. Like, unfortunately, you know, vaccine passports, and it's just going to be for international travel. It's going to be for everything. It's going to be going to uh, you're going to your favorite restaurant. It's going to be going to uh, basically anywhere where there's going to be a massive gathering taking place. It's going to happen at football stadiums. It's going to happen at uh, various other places. And because uh, a lot of businesses do not want to be in a situation where they have to shut down in order to, um, you know, deal with uh, another outbreak, which they're going to have to, you know, go around and call people and tell them to self-isolate and tell them to get tests and things like that. It's something. It's a cost that I don't think they're going. You know, businesses are not going to want to shoulder. So what are they going to do? They're going to basically. Um, mitigate the idea of, uh, you know, trying to stamp down the idea of that potentially happening. So the one thing that they're going to probably do is that they're going to be saying to people that have you had the vaccine or are you, have you had a negative test in the last uh, 72 hours? And uh, that is going to be the way that they're going to have to go around that. You know, yeah. to uh, obviously to do that, and uh, unfortunately, like uh, there may be, uh, I I don't like the idea. I don't think most people who are listening to this show like this idea, but uh, unfortunately, it is going to be uh, a reality that we're going to be confronted with, at least uh, in, on a temporary basis, until finally that uh, you know COVID nineteen has come to a situation where basically we're at where you know with the AIDS and the HIV epi- you know, epidemics. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, until until we're at that point where it basically gets to a point where you know it becomes so minuscule as if it, it ceases to be like a, um, a you know a, a mass menace that maybe then those uh, restrictions will be loosened. But until then, what else do you do? If I mean, you're... yeah, what else do you do? Now, I I understand why a lot of people have issues with it. They they say health-wise, ethical-wise, operational-wise, that this is not a very good idea because it just gives you such restrictions. But unfortunately, and we'll cover this in the next bit of news, people are still, even about a year after this happened, are still not taking this seriously. And they don't want to risk the chance of having people over from another country or even people over in their business 
and they just end up getting sick and then they'll have to shut their whole operation. Hundreds of thousands of businesses, such as movie theaters, restaurants, theaters, have been shut down because of the coronavirus. I mean, these are places that are they need to have large quantities of people in order for them to function, in order for them to make money. And so they're going to need to have these passports showing that they are not sick, that they haven't had any um, cases of the coronavirus around them, like none of their family members or people that they were close to had the virus and they were surrounded by. So they want to be able to make sure that things are intact. And unfortunately, you know, I, I don't like this either, but... If, there, if there's going to be a reality where if we want to travel or if we want to, you know, go someplace and we want to be able to see people, then, yeah, that's going to have to be the case where we have to prove to them saying, no, I'm not sick. I'm OK. So, yeah, I, I just don't know what to say about this. Well, unfortunately, well, I have plenty to say on it, but uh, that, that's where we are at the minute. until obviously the majority of people are going to get vaccinated and uh, we're at, uh, you know, 75, 80 percent of people. And it comes to a point where they're not going to be required anymore because we're just going to, you know, we can assume that this whole thing's been, uh, you know, uh, put about by, by the wayside. You know, like, yeah, uh, that, that, that's when we're going to get rid of these things, basically. So. Yeah. And uh, as of the recording of uh, this uh, podcast, um, we have reached the point in which we are vaccinating 2 million people a day. And according to Fauci, if we continue at this uh, range, then we will be able to reach herd immunity by the end of the summer. Yeah. And we're at the point where about 20 million people here in the UK have had the, um, have the, have the first jab and about a million people have had the second. So okay. We're getting there. We'll yeah, get we're it. getting there. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there's some places that won't be getting there, unfortunately, and that's going to include Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, Montana, and Iowa, who are going to stop doing mandatory masks uh, uh, for starting next month. So. Yeah, so th I live in Alabama, as you guys know. So the, the, when I heard that the report was is that there's not going to be any mandatory masks next month, this has gotten me very, very frightened. Like, let's start off with Texas. Texas is the second most populated state in the United States next to California. The fact that they are saying, oh, we don't have to worry about putting on masks anymore is frightening, to say the least. Like, absolutely frightening. The fact that they're going to be living off their normal routines, even though that we are nowhere close to having people walk around safely without masks. And... Alabama, Mississippi, again, you know, going through the same motion about like, we're still not at that point in which we can be able to walk around freely. I mean, they're talking about we're going to reopen restaurants, we're going to reopen um, businesses, and we're going to just have it so where you don't have to go to your grocery store or whatever, um, without having to put the mask on because it. I'm, I, I just don't know why, like, especially here in Alabama, it, it is a very, very slow process of getting people to put on the, you know, I mean, to get the, the vaccine. Like, I, I, like currently my parents are on a waiting list because, you know, they're not 65 yet. And when they get there, they still have to go through like thousands upon thousands of people who already signed up for this. And I, I, and the fact that they're saying, oh, yeah, you know, next month you're, you're, you're good to go. You don't have to worry about it. It's like you're going to get people around you even more sick and cases are going to go skyrocketing again. And then we're going to have to go through another lockdown and more mandatory masks. So it's like, just wait a little bit longer. Exactly. Like they're doing this way too soon. 
Like uh, it's just it's uh, they they need to you know somewhere down the line they are going to get to the point where this is this virus is going to be under under control. But you're going to throw it all away by throwing out this uh, this mask mandate. And, oh, and, and there's and there's even people who are protesting about this. Like the people over in Boise, Idaho, are they went over to their pro their own Capitol building and they put out a barrel. And they just threw their masks into the fire. I just realized, we, yeah, we skipped over that, didn't we? Actually, and yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you, you know, something like uh, you know, you look at all those kids, and uh, you look at that. It's like uh, that. That is literally just like a, a visual representation of I blame the parents. <laughs> It really is. Like, you know, like, you wonder why people, you know, grow up so stupid. And uh, here you got these, uh, you know, the, all these, you know, um, so-called adults uh, going around throwing masks in a barrel. And, uh, you know, like, uh, I would understand if we're at the point where, you know, we've got the vast majority of people vaccinated and now masks are unnecessary. I mean, if a bunch of right-wings want to go and just burn a bunch of masks because they're celebrating the fact that the virus, you know, the pandemic is now over, then, you know, like, all right, whatever. But we're still in the midst of all of this. We are. Right. Like, you know, like, I mean, yes, how it, can yes, you be so stupid? Yeah, like, I understand that, you know, there's been a lot less deaths and there's been a lot less cases going on in the hospitals, but that's because people are being responsible adults where they're wearing their masks, they're keeping their social distance, and some of them have gotten vaccinated. So it's not just because, oh, for no reason. So the fact that they're burning their masks in a flaming barrel and even kids are doing it, they're being encouraged to do this, is just absolutely sickening. When, when, when does this start becoming child abuse? Like, you know, like, uh, when, when, when does it start becoming a point where you're putting your kids in danger because you're telling them that, oh, hey, this uh, this virus isn't going to, like, you know, it's either you know, a hoax or it's, like, it's, uh, you know, not as serious as it should be. Like, you know, you're, you're putting your kids in immediate danger of, like, infecting other people and infecting yourselves. When do they start, when does it start to become a point where, like, you know, this, this is child abuse? Oh, oh, but but Aaron, uh, they're just doing it so that they can be able to stretch out their independence and not be controlled by the government. Uh, whatever, <laughs> you know, go, go go back to the, you know, get, get off the internet and you know, go outside for once and not with a flaming barrel burning masks. You know, like yeah. uh, it's just it's uh, what what you know, just these these people are just ridiculous. You know, like uh, and I will tell you what, actually, I want to go uh, something a bit further. I kind of mix all of this. So, you know, the, um, the fact we've had so much opposition to uh, getting uh, coronavirus relief bills passed, the fact that we have these, uh, you know, these politicians, you know, just uh, um, doing all this. What, what is the point of the Republican Party anymore? What, what is the point of this party? Well, I mean, as we've seen from our country, Aaron, that there's still a lot of people who believe in what the Republicans are doing. I mean, they believe in a conservative business um, goal related plan. And but what does that mean? What does it mean? It's the the means is that there are a lot of people who still believe in those ideologies. I mean, half of our country what literally ideology believes in though? it. What 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 is it that the republic? What is the Republican Party message right now? And I tell you, actually, I feel like I want to cover this before. Obviously, we get into the whole Facebook thing. But uh, um, so um, six books that have been written by Dr. Seuss will be discontinued uh, for due to uh, uh, uncomfortable conversations uh, on on racism. And uh, the Republican Party turn around and say, "Oh, this is cancel culture." And uh, now Jim Dor Jordan's. Uh, Wants a whole like Senate hearing about, yeah. the, the, about, about the, the you know you know like, it's like in in their world is there not like a, a a virus going around is there not like an economic situation is there not like unemployed people like you know like uh, these people live in such you know uh, such a bubble and like uh, they have no sense of reality 
And like, uh, it just, uh, and this this whole Republican Party is poisoned with all of this now. And like, uh, they yeah, just, like, it, fact, it's all about going, going around this golden statue of Trump. And it's all about, you know, like, uh, it's never about like, um, any sensible poli- political philosophy or policy or anything like that now. They are basically just a troll party. That's all they are. They they are not there yeah. to help you in any stretch of the imagination. They are there to help themselves and their wealthy donors who, whatever, for whatever reason, keeps pouring money into them for because obviously the deregulation and shit like that. You know? Yeah, and if you're wondering what are the six books, well, they are, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, If I Ran the Zoo, McElligot's Pool, On Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Eggs Super, and The Cat's Quizzler, which it's actually funny because one of the Republican uh, senators, I think that was who it was, I'm not sure, but he was actually talking about like, oh, you know, uh, we don't believe in canceling Dr. Seuss, and he read Green Eggs and Ham. Green Eggs and Ham wasn't one of the books that was banned. It wasn't. T- tell you what, actually, um, we got a chance to do another top 16. So uh, I think we'll, we'll go through that. So um, Family Minded did uh, ranked from worst to best the um, uh, top 16 um, uh, Dr. Dr. Seuss books. So uh, do you want to go through them and uh, see if we agree with it or not? Oh, um, this ought to be very interesting considering I haven't read most of them. <laughs> okay, then. So... Uh, Let's have a look. So, uh, the so I'm trying to think how this works. So, um, give me one second. Every single fan has their own personal favorite. Here are the 16 ranks from uh, worst to best. Oh, I see. So it's this. We're going off with the worst, and then we're going to the best one. And this is from uh, Dr. Seuss works on Goodreads. So uh, okay. okay, here we go. Okay, number 16, and this apparently is the worst. So this is uh, Horton hatches the egg. Uh, okay, that is actually one of the very few that I have read. It's, so it's a continuation of Horton Hears a Who, where Horton is told by this bird to help at- hatch its egg because it's busy and is off doing other things. And so Horton being very dedicated, as we saw in Horton Hears a Who, where he's um, trying to save the Whos from being you know, crushed or being swept away. So he's just laying on this egg and then... Uh, the the mother comes back just when it's about to hatch and saying like, oh, this is my egg and, you know, you have to go away. Even though that Horton had dedicated its entire time to sitting on this egg, making sure that it hatches. And then and when the egg hatches, it turns into an elephant bird. I know. Right. How does that work? I don't know. But yeah, that's really weird. But okay. uh, yeah, so yeah, definitely not as memorable as Horton Hears a Who. Okay. Uh, number 15 is, uh, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street. And that was one of the books that was banned because of the racist so that, imagery. That's, right now, that's one of the worst books that's mm-hmm. currently in well, what this is, list. What, are, what, what is their description on it? Uh, let's have a look. So, published in 1937, Dr. Seuss's first children's book, and I think I saw it on Mulberry Street, remains one of, the, one of the most popular of all time. Despite the controversy around uh, the book's illustration stereotyping Chinese culture, and one, the book can still teach younger generations about the power of imagination. Okay. So. Okay, but uh, that's currently one of the worst, according to them. So, uh, hmm, interesting. Okay. All right, number fourteen is uh, Yertle the Turtle and other stories. Oh, I I am familiar with Yertle the Turtle. Uh, I think this was supposed to be like um, an allegory on um, dictatorship because I think that this came around the same time when the Nazi Party was uh, going about. So I think it was about like. Um, I think that was going into that kind of uh, direction, which was not too surprising because Dr. Seuss did a lot of war propaganda drawings and documentaries. So yeah. I think that's what it was about. He, he was the one, one of the, he was actually one of the cartoonists, like you know, decades before you know uh, Donald Trump was like saying America first, actually warning us of that problem. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number thirteen is Dr. Seuss's ABC, an amazing alphabet book. I mean, it's an alphabet book. I mean. 
it's not going to be as creative or as like whimsical compared to his other well-known books, so it's not too much of a surprise. Okay. Number 12 is uh, Hop on Pop. Haven't read it. Okay, then. Uh, this one says, Hop on Pop is the simplest uh, for youngsters to use. It was a hit when it was first released in 1963 and remains a firm Dr. Seuss favors. Uh, the... Monosyllabic rhymes and brilliant illustrations on perfect harmony. Um, doesn't necessarily say what it's about. Um, okay. Okay, let me tell you. We'll, we'll go to the next one. Okay, number eleven is Fox in Socks. Uh yeah. I mean, it's just from what I remember, it's about a fox who wears socks, and there's a lot of other rhymes involving with like animals and other clothing. So, okay. Cool. Uh, number ten is uh, the cat in the hat comes back. Yes, uh, that is the uh, continuation of the original Cat in the Hat book where, you know, the Cat in the Hat does return and he interacts with the kids again and they go through a lot of wacky situations. So, yeah, a um, lot of uh, uh, the same, pretty much, from the original, so not much to say about it. Yeah, well, uh, I'm pretty glad that uh, that, uh, that Mike Myers movie didn't make it, <laughs> didn't make any Oh, any man. I really don't want to see if, that again. If, I don't want to see that again. Oh, if you know what? If the movie would have done better, we would have instantly gotten another sequel. Yeah. Okay, Ugh. number nine, uh, the foot book, uh, Dr. Seuss's Wacky World of Opposites. I have heard about it. It's been a long time since I've read it, though. The Wacky World of Opposites, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, number eight is uh, The Sneeches and Other Stories. Ooh, the Sneeches. <laughs> That's another one right there where it does go into a bit of an allegory. I think that I think the Sneeches is the are the birds that uh, you know some of them have the stars and some of them don't. Yeah, okay. I think that's what it is. Right, but uh, yeah, I, I think I remember that it was basically where, um, you know, some of them felt like they were special because they have the stars and then others that didn't have the stars, they felt that they weren't as special. And so there was like this um, argument about like which of the Sneeches are the best ones. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, number seven is Horton Hears a Who. Uh, yep, uh, very well-known, iconic Dr. Seuss book. Uh, Aaron and I, we actually did see the movie not too long ago for the very first time. Yeah, and uh, I, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was. Uh, I didn't think it was brilliant, but I thought it was. Uh, it was pretty engaging. I'll definitely tell you that. I mean, definitely one of the better movies from um, uh, Blue Sky Studios. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that at Eventually, some point. Yeah. Uh, number six is the Lorax. Uh, I mean, the Lorax, of course. I mean, very iconic. I'm very book. surprised. I, mean, I would have thought it would like would have been like in the top five at least. Uh... Yeah, I'm surprised too. I mean, I guess maybe the environmental message may be a little bit too uncomfortable for younger kids, but it's really important considering that the book came out in the, around the 1970s, around the time in so which. Good for them now. I mean, like uh, we're in the, we're in the era of Greta Thunberg, you know, like uh, it's uh, and also the kids are learning a lot more about the environment in schools now than uh, than we ever did. That's very true. You're right. I mean, I mean, especially with the books and even the the animated special being like a a mandatory thing to having classrooms so that you can be able to learn about the environment. I literally saw the Lorax special when I was in high school, where we were talking about uh, environmental issues and how to take care of our environment, and so. I think that it's still a staple for a lot of people because, I mean, it talks about the environment in a way that kids can be able to understand. And uh, lest we forget about the Illumination movie that came out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, number five, uh, Oh, the Places You'll Go. Very, very iconic a Dr. Seuss book. All the places that you can go, all the variations of the places that are really unique to Dr. Seuss with his whimsical rhyming. So, yeah, very classic book. Mm -hmm. Number four, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. 
Oh, of course. I mean, it has to be on this list. It's a it's a staple around the holidays where you I mean, at least everybody would know about somebody who acts like a Grinch, where they just don't really care about Christmas that much. And so um, it's right up there with like a Christmas Carol and um, and it's a wonderful life. And the night before Christmas is like one of the staples to read or even watch around the holidays if you're one of those people who have seen the 60s special or those who have seen the 2000 Jim Carrey movie or even the more recent one that came out in 2018 by Illumination by Benedict Cumberbatch. So, uh, yeah, uh, definitely a major staple and one of the more famous uh, Dr. Seuss characters. Okay. Number three is uh, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. Of course. I mean, that's definitely a book a lot of people remember. Um, it, you know, I, I even knew somebody who learned how to read thanks to that book. Yeah. Wasn't there a Simpsons episode named after this book? Uh, yes, there was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two is The Cat in the Hat. Of course. The Cat in the Hat is probably the most famous of the Dr. Seuss characters. Very whimsical, very weird. He has this odd-looking machine thing, one thing, two, and uh, the, the specials of the um, the kids' programs that used to air around the 90s. There was even the Universal Studios attractions and uh, the movie. Let's let's not go over that. Yeah. And the number one book, which uh, I uh, believe has inspired you know episodes from Johnny Bravo and also has been parodied in various other cartoon shows, is Green Eggs and Ham. Yep, and also has a Netflix animated series, which I hear is really, really good, considering on what the subject is. So, I mean, I personally would have had maybe like Cat in the Hat as like number one, but Green Eggs and Ham is also a, a major contender. Yeah. So, I mean, like, out of all the 16 that's in this, you know, worst to best, I mean, like, did any of the books that are now out of print actually make it into this list, besides one? No. No. So, as you know, they all oh, once again, you know, you got Republican uh, politicians jumping up and down about books that barely anybody cares about. Uh, you know, uh, here's the thing. I understand that a lot of people may be a little bit sensitive to maybe the depictions of the characters, the way they were drawn, or um, how uh, you know we we've come so far with proper representation and i understand that some people would be like saying you know this is not acceptable for my kids but there we have to deal with a lot more worse issues like unemployment and the coronavirus cases um you know threats of war natural disasters and the fact that people are making such a big deal about like children's books of all things it's like you have your priorities but, but, wrong thing, but, like, not just chill not just children's books children's books that barely anybody read Looks exactly. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, we just went through the top 16, and only one of them was in it, and it was on the worst list. Exactly, on the worst scale. So, I mean, like, uh, again, like, and on top of that as well, it, it's, this was not a decision made by um, a government organization. This was Dr. Seuss's, you know, Dr. Seuss's estate itself that decided not to publish these things anymore. Right. You know, like, so, I mean... What's the big deal? Like, it's a private company making a private enterprise decision. Why do you need a public hearing over this? I, it, it, you shouldn't. I mean, it's not that much of a big deal. I mean, if they personally feel that these books are not right to have published anymore, they have a, a, a reason why. And um, even some people are, like, uh, 
purchasing books from like used bookstores and then selling them on eBay for like nine hundred dollars. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. Exactly, it really is. And you know, the the only thing I could I could think of this, I guarantee you, this is probably in retaliation for something. I know we didn't bring this up in the show, but uh, the, apparently the the Democrats uh, committee on I think it was their media committee. I think it is. They wrote to every single cable provider asking for a ethical explanation of why they still air a uh, Fox News, Newsmax, and One American News Network. I think this will be in retaliation for that. I think. Okay. Yeah. Which, you know, like, uh, you know, everyone was like crying up and down saying, oh, hey, this is, uh, you know, freedom of speech. But uh, if you remember, uh, remember when we, had, we played uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's speech on the show? Yes. Yeah, like, and he said, freedom of speech is not freedom of reach. Like, uh, the, the Democrats are not asking to for cable companies to shut down Fox News and One American News Network and Newsmax. They're not asking for that at all. They're basically asking them, why is it that they are still, you know, airing these uh, TV channels where they're known to have uh, either outright lied in some cases or just to spread complete and utter propaganda? Yeah, and that's actually a great way to go into our next segment. So Facebook had decided that they are going to temporarily remove the bans of political ads, even though that the reason why it was shut down in the first place was because that a lot of the political ads were spreading lies. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, here's the thing about this. I don't have a problem with social media companies, uh, you know, obviously airing ads from, like, organizations that uh, want to, you know, obviously pay them into, into air ads. I, I don't have a problem with that as well, but there should be um, some... Uh, there should be a judgment call made on ads that, you know, are brutally dishonest, and, you know, they, they should not be, you know, basically spreading misinformation in this way. Just because... And this is the thing, that actually, that came out as well. Like, uh, there was um, a video that was released by uh, TLDR News. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was the TLDR UK News, I think it was, and uh, they did a whole segment where they showed a uh, the same article shown in local newspapers, like up and down the country, and they kept the same like people kept coming up over and over again, and it was so weird. Like, why would the same local newspapers be showing the same like news story with the same people in it? And it turns out that uh, these news articles were being um, sponsored by the UK government about Brexit. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, they, they were giving, like, the false impression that uh, Brexit was being an overall success by sticking them, by buying ad places in local newspaper and putting in the, basically what is government propaganda about Brexit. And this right. is basically what Facebook are, are planning to do once again here. So, they're going to be allowing um, political organizations to take out ads in their, uh, on their social media platforms without really fully vetting it. Right. Yeah, like so, I would be interested here if uh, Facebook is actually going to be looking at these ads and saying, "Oh, hey, we should be putting out." I'm you know, actually making a judgment call whether they think, you know, they should be putting this out as a responsible, you know, content provider. You know, because like, uh, why, why? Yeah, it just it's uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't it make re- any sense either. It really doesn't, because, you know, we've seen how dangerous, you know, uh, politics on Facebook has become. You know, I effectively left Facebook, because I couldn't take all the misinformation that was being spread around by people. So I left. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it was ridiculous. And so, like, yeah. uh, so I left that, and, uh, so, you know, funnily enough, I've had, you know, people talk about how Twitter is basically just, you know, people sounding off on politics, but I've never had much of a, much of a problem there. 
pretty much since I've been there, because I know what I'm, what I'm expecting for. But you know why? When you have some when people you thought you were very close with, all of a sudden spreading inf- you know, information that, you know, like, you know QAnon and, uh, you know, that whole infamous information bullshit that was going on around Facebook, I couldn't take it anymore, and I left. Yeah. So, so uh, And in the fact that people are going to be saying, you know, First Amendment, freedom of speech, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, there's a limit. You have to understand that there is a limit to spreading false information that a lot of people seem to overlook. And I'm just hoping that maybe they would maybe get some PR to come together and say, hey, well, now that we're going to be reopening these political ads on Facebook again, we need to actually double check, triple check everything to make sure that the information that they're saying is correct. Yeah, you know, it's if like, not, then we're going to end up like the same way all over again. Exactly. Like, you know, you shouldn't be spreading this like around millions of people if you know it's not going to be fact- if it's not it's factually incorrect. You know, and uh, this right. is this is the criticism of Facebook that's been going on for a while. It's just it's been such a a, a spreader of misinformation, and it looks to me like uh, no one's doing anything about it. Like until just, obviously until people get really angry about it, and then all of a sudden Facebook shuts it down. You know, or right. until it gets to if it goes too far, and then all of a sudden they got people smashing down the doors of the Capitol, the Capitol building. You know, uh. exactly. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move away from that. I want to say something a bit more. Uh, that isn't going to be me. I'll tell you actually. Can we get this one out of the way first? Because I feel like I want to just, uh, you know, put this out here. So uh, TCM um, is uh, taking the name of cancel culture, and so um, they're going to be doing a new series devoted to uh, problematic uh, movie classics. Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know what TCM is, so TCM stands for Turner Classic Movies, where they would have like a group of movie historians talking about the cultural significance on movies. And um, just like what we were talking about with the whole Dr. Seuss thing, where they're planning on banning, you know, these books uh, or like stopping the publication. There's a lot of arguments that, you know, some of the movies that came out around maybe the, you know, the from the 20s to all the way through the 1960s they are seen pretty negatively because of their portrayals of minorities and women and certain issues and so there's going to be a new series called reframed classic films in the rearview mirror where there will be five hosts that will be taking a look into uh, movies such as gone with the wind guess who's coming to dinner breakfast at tiffany's the searchers and psycho so uh, ben uh, ben mankiewicz dave carger Alicia Malone, Eddie Muller, and Jacqueline Stewart are going to be taking a look at these movies that nowadays have been considered pretty controversial and discussing about why and if it should be. Yeah. So, um, I mean, here's the thing about uh, TCM. Actually, the, some of the stuff that they actually do is pretty fun. You know, like I remember when uh, on the uh, anniversary of the Planet of the Apes, uh, they actually did a sit-down interview with Dr. Zayas, which I thought was uh, I thought yeah, was, 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 was pretty good. And yeah. uh, you know, the, actually, I think is the uh, is like the original actor. He still plays Dr. Zayas like on stage and stuff like that. You know, like uh, um, if, I, if I recall. Well, I mean, we're talking about Roddy McDowell. I mean, he was a very well-known actor who was like portrayed on theater and other movies. But you know, he's been. You know, he passed away back in the 90s, I think. But, yeah, he was very well known for being, a like, an aspired theater actor, as well as um, knowing for being uh, a well-known actor with not just uh, Planet of the Apes, but also Ben Knobs and Broomsticks and um, The Greatest Story Ever Told and even a few animated uh, series. Like, uh, you know, he played as... Um, uh, a, a character in Pinky and the Brain at one point, and uh, he also did uh, Batman the Animated Series and uh, Gargoyles and 
Um, he even did a, a Bug's Life, uh, if you can believe it. So, yeah, yeah. He, he, he was a really well-known, renowned actor. Mm-hmm. So, um, in regards to, I mean, TCM doing this, I mean, like, uh, the fact that uh, they're going to be point, you know, doing a whole series and po- pointing to everyone's like, yeah, this is why we don't air this anymore. It's like, you know, like, uh, that is, uh, I think it's a very good move, I think, on uh, TCM's part, at least in my opinion. So yeah, uh, I mean, I, especially since Gone of Gone with the Wind, especially because that movie has gotten a ton of controversy over the years. Like you know, the treatment of the actors who you know played as the slaves, as well as um, you know, just I mean, it, it it took place like around the Civil War, so I can understand where they were coming from with that. But still, I mean, it's still not considered politically correct by today's standards. Do you think they'll cover Song of the South? Oh. <laughs> That would be really interesting for them to talk about. Yeah, yes. I, it was, well, mind you, it's not it's not a Turner movie, and it's also it's a Disney property as well. So whether they actually be allowed to do that, I don't know. But uh, I don't you know. know either. Actually, this is a good. This might be a really stupid question, but I don't really have a chance to like you know delve into like you know the the darker alleyways of Disney Plus. Song of the South's not there, is it? No, it's or, not. It's not. Okay, just wanted to make sure. But but uh, but, but here's the thing that I want to bring up. Just you you just brought it up perfectly. Um, there there's a lot of disclaimers that are being put up into their uh, Disney movies and even the Muppet Show just recently, where they would say like you know disclaimer the following uh, portrayals of these characters were um, you know not considered uh, like proper by today's standards. Like you know viewer discretion advised. It's very similar to what uh, Warner Brothers did with their uh, classic cartoons when they released it on DVD, where they were talking about like you know disclaimer a lot of the stuff that is being portrayed um, were like stereotypes that were, um, you know, showcased at the time, but, you know, it wasn't good then and it's not good now. So, yeah, a lot of them are definitely, you know, paying attention to the fact that some of the stuff and some of the things that they did portray like characters or um, dilemmas or situations are not up to today's standards. And yeah. so but, they're, they're paying attention. Yeah. But obviously that's not canceling, is it? Obviously it's like, it's um, no. you know, they basically just saying, you know, you might see something here, which uh, was, uh, uh, was of its time, but obviously isn't now, you know, like, right. Uh, there's that. But you know, there's another thing as well, which is, um, you know, well, well, I've heard about the whole Muppets thing. I mean, obviously there's every single episode right now on, I believe of the Muppets is, uh, is currently up on Disney plus. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think know. so. I think yeah. that maybe except, there's except, like... except for two, which uh, one involves uh, an actor who uh, was uh, charged for uh, you know downloading child pornography, and then I think there was another actor who did something really daft as well. And I think uh, so. Those are the only two episodes that haven't aired. But, okay. Uh, yeah. So you know they are, they have justifications. I think in that regard. But sure. Uh, I mean, like, but in regards to like the whole Muppets, I mean, like, uh, all they do is like just put a bunch of text in like in the beginning of the of the, of the episode, and then it just starts. You know, yeah. so it's like, uh, uh, you know, I, I really want to actually, well, I'll watch the Muppets at some point. I really want to watch the John Cleese episode again. Like, you know, the, the <laughs> John Cleese episode, I think, is my favorite. I think, uh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. And, and you know what? I, I think, I, you know, there's a fine line between, okay, we can't show this anymore. Let's just cancel it. And putting in a disclaimer saying the stuff that we're showing is was not appropriate. It's like if you hide it away from people, then they're never going to learn that that stuff was considered um, unacceptable. So you need to show this stuff to people. That way, they know that the stuff that they are showing was wrong, and it and it it was wrong, and it still is wrong. And people are now acknowledging it. So you you can't just hide it away and pretend it didn't exist because it did exist. I mean, it still exists, unfortunately. Where we still have you know racism, we still have minorities not treated well in media, we still have um, you know situations in which like topics 
are not covered correctly. I mean, you know, that's the sad part of it. But I, I, I think that us as a society is starting to become more self-aware and we're starting to improve on how we portray things like you know it used to be a time in which when you know people who were of the lgbtq community were either ostracized or they completely hit it saying oh no 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 they they weren't a, a gay couple they were cousins but yeah. now i think that we have you know proper representation of that nowadays even with animation and as for like minorities you know a lot i mean even though it's we still have um, a long way to go with proper you know representation of minorities and everything but it's still a lot better than what we gotten a long time ago especially with the case of white people playing as minorities it's like that's not very acceptable yeah i mean like uh, here's the thing about this unfortunately whether you like it or not and uh, you know if, if you're like one of those free speech absolutionists i mean you're not going to get your way unfortunately there's going to be tv companies out there who just have stuff in their archive is like no we're not we're not uh, showing this to anybody at all like you know like for example like you know where uh, in the uh, the the wwe you're never going to see the uh, the moment when owen hart lost his life in that, you know, when he Ooh. fell to his death. You're not going to see that. And then, uh, obviously, there's the infamous uh, Hail Honey, I'm Home TV series. TV oh, sitcom. God. Like, uh, <laughs> like, there was, like, uh, um, that aired on, like, on British satellite broadcasting. So, I mean, like, uh, that's, that's you're never going to see that again. You know, nope. unless, you know, and there's just, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, there's, like, some really terrible stuff there that's been put, that's been put in front of a camera and uh, is uh, pretty much, I was talking about that as well, like, uh, there's that, um, that whole meme about, uh, you know, that cat that was set on fire in that cage. Like, you know, and that was scrubbed from the internet. You're never going to see that again. Like, you know, Aww. unfortunately, people, there is, uh, there is justification for some companies to say, yeah, that's going way too far. We ain't doing this shit no more. And like, uh, no. you know, just just stop stop being that like uh, it's like kind of like having that best friend in high school like who who saw like the worst of you and like now you're like in your thirties and you have like you know three or four children and it's kind of like you know dude that was like uh, you know so many years ago and we're not going back there again you know I'm a I'm a I'm a responsible adult now with. Uh, you know, with the uh, responsibilities now, like you know, just 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 leave the past in the past and let's just move on with the future, please. You know? Yes, please. I don't want to be that sixteen-year-old kid who you know would go to the club until like three o'clock in the morning and do a bunch of shots. It's like no, I, I actually have to go to bed at ten o'clock at night because I need to wake up early in the morning so I can go to work and being able to pay my bills and take care of my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the fact that, uh, you know, actually, I'm just looking at the uh, Hi Honey, I'm Home Wikipedia page, and I just love the fact that uh, there's, uh, you know, a whole section saying controversy. It's like, you don't see this, that <laughs> you need a whole section for, like, controversy. <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a freaking TV show about Adolf Hitler and they, they, living next door to Jewish people. Like, uh, oh my god. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, Wikipedia is all like uh, it's like you know you know you, you can read between the lines of why this is controversial. I mean, you don't need a whole section on it. The but. title alone is controversial. I know exactly. Uh, all right, exactly. moving on. Anyway, um, this is your title thoughts on Paramount Plus. Now, um, as far as I'm aware, I mean, do we have Paramount Plus here in the UK? I don't think I've actually seen it yet. I, don't think, uh... I, I, I actually don't know. So for those who don't know, um, Paramount Plus is the rebranded streaming service of CBS All Access. Because as you guys uh, heard from our discussion of the aftermath of Hey Arnold, the Jungle Movie, that Viacom and CBS have merged. And so because they have merged, a lot of their properties are now consolidated into one place. 
And so Paramount Plus is the result of that. So in addition to a lot of shows from MTV, CBS, Nickelodeon, and a lot of other places. So that's why they decided to consolidate it into a new streaming service called Paramount Plus. And they're going to be releasing some exclusive stuff over there, uh, just like you would with any streaming service that wants to get a gimmick so that they can be able to have subscribers. So uh, that's why when it comes to, um, you know, the big announcement, I mean, people were like saying, oh, now we have this huge rebranding, but there's a lot of reports saying, yeah, that's good, but it's not Netflix and Disney Plus. Why should I even get it? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the only way I could probably see them, like, you know, making this take off is, like, they've got to do something different from, like, uh, all the other uh, all the other streaming sites. Like, you know, like, I'm just looking at their lineup. So you've got uh, Paramount Plus Originals. You've got, uh, you obviously have access to CBS. You have access to Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. You have access to, uh, you know, Comedy Central, you know, MTV, and, you know, uh, and Bet. But, you know, um... What are you doing different? I mean, obviously it's different content, but you know, yes. you can easily get that type of you know content from being a subscriber to Netflix or being a subscriber to Disney Plus or being a subscriber to Hulu. So like, uh, yeah. you know, you, you, you're gonna. My biggest fear is that uh, you know it's gonna be another streaming service that's gonna get lost in the shuffle. You know. Yeah, just- I mean, we have too much of it. There's Amazon Prime. There's Hulu. There's Netflix. There's uh, Disney Plus. Um, and there's Peacock. Uh, there, there's just too many of them. I mean, uh, other than a lot of the stuff, like, you know, you can be able to watch Star Trek over there. You can be able to watch a lot of the Comedy Central programs over there. You can watch sports over there. You can watch Nickelodeon over there. But other, I mean, there, there has to be like something that really draws you in to say, I want to subscribe to that. When Netflix started, you know, what, you, you know what? You know what? I was just thinking about this actually. I mean, yeah, like, uh, I mean, uh, tell me if this is a good idea or a bad idea or not. But uh, what if, like, uh, what if they just uh, decided to get into like uh, smart TVs and laptops and like, you know, like you you you're, the, you're the, someone who like uh, you know spends their entire day in bed with their laptop just watching box sets. You know, like, and then you got like someone who like you know what's spending time watching a smart TV. What if Paramount Plus went and said, okay, if you if you buy this TV and you buy this laptop, we'll give you twelve months free or like something stupid like that. You know, like sure. uh, well, yeah, so like uh, you know they um, they make the money from obviously doing the promotion with the uh, with the technology companies, but uh, so and also you basically get you know like uh, hey you get all this stuff when you get your new TV and when you get your new laptop. You know, and uh, then obviously they can then recuperate the cost when they want to become you know a, a regular subscriber. You know. I mean, currently, as of what, from what I've seen, there's a 25% discount for students, which, I mean, it's, it's very similar to like in Hulu, in which I have a discount as a student, and I can be able to not only get Hulu, but I can get Spotify as well, and I can pay the same price. So not only do I have a streaming service for my shows and movies, but I have a streaming service for music as well, and I use Spotify a lot. Uh, you know, I've been loving Spotify. I, I used to go to Pandora, but then m- my sister told me, no, I mean, Spotify is way better. And I listen to my podcast over there. I listen to my music over there. And it's, you know, the deal that I get, you know, as a Hulu subscriber, as a student is fantastic. So Hashtag not sponsored, but- by the way. We're not, pay- we're not paid to basically say this. You know, we're, <laughs> yes. we're, yeah, we're, as- we literally have Spotify accounts and this is our experiences of it. So well, Yes, this know. is our personal experience. So hashtag not a sponsor. So yes, uh, Paramount Plus, I mean, y- like you were saying before, like what if they have another thing to lure in the customer saying, okay, we know that you have Disney Plus. We know that you have um, Netflix. We know that you have 
have uh, Amazon Prime. We know that you have Hulu. But here's something that we have that the other streaming services don't have, and we can give you this additional service as well. So I think they really need to do that because... Otherwise, they're going to get lost in the shuffle. I mean, unless, of course, if you really want to get that streaming service so you can watch Star Trek or you can watch football or you can watch something from Comedy Central or MTV or Nickelodeon. Hmm. I'm just looking at this on here, like on the uh, the compatible devices for uh, Paramount Plus. I mean, like, uh, there's any other Chromecast can do it, but uh, apparently not Panasonic TVs. Huh. Which, uh, that's, that's, weird. that's Yeah, that is weird. Like, uh, yeah, they need, to, they need to correct that. Like, uh, I mean, obviously, it's available, like, on various basic, you know, stuff like, you know, um, it's, another case. Yeah, it's available on most models of Roku. Well, most models isn't good. People see, I guarantee you there's going to be people who have, like, you know, very old, like, variations of Rokus, and they're going to want to watch, uh, you know, Paramount Plus on that, I probably imagine. And, uh, I mean, like, uh, yeah, so, like, uh, it is somewhat readily available, but, you know, it's like, it's not enough to just to be available here, there, and, you know, some places. You have to be available everywhere, pretty much. To be, right, uh, right. To be successful, at least in my opinion. So... You know what? It's only just released. Let's give it a shot and let's just see how far it goes and let's just see if it does do anything different from various other, you know, streaming companies. You know, and, uh, yeah, we'll see. If, we'll if see it does then great, it'll survive, but if it doesn't, then it's going to have a problem. You know? Yeah, it's going to end up the same way as Quibi. Mm-hmm. I mean, Quibi. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's going to end up the same way as Quibi. Okay. Um, let's move on. So Disney's uh, newest animated film, Raya and the Last Dragon, has been released on Disney Plus uh, for a 30, uh, I think it's a 30, is it renting for like $30? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, we're not seeing it yet, so, uh, I don't know what we're going to think of it yet, but, uh, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I don't know what, how to feel about this. Like, you know, it's, um, I mean, are they really taking phases as well, did they say? Uh, Ryan yes, Dragon. they have released. Yes, they have released it in theaters. Yeah, so uh, yeah, but um, I mean, once we get around to watching it, I guess we'll tell you what we think of it. But uh... yeah, uh, I, I, and this, this is the same thing that they did with Mulan, in which they released it for like thirty dollars for a few months, and then it was available for free. Um, you know, a little bit later on, where people were able to watch it, and that's when they got, gave their full opinions on it. So. They're trying to get themselves back on the game because uh, I don't know if you heard the news, Aaron, but the the Disney stores have shut down like they they shut down 20 percent of their Disney stores. And I think this is them trying to recuperate, you know, whatever money that they're having behind, because, I mean, we already talked last week about that, you know, Disneyland is going to be opening up. Yeah. So I mean, like, unfortunately, like, I mean, this is going to be a problem, I think, for uh, various other, you know, uh, well, what we refer to here in the UK as the high street. Like, uh, a lot of these uh, chain stores and a lot of, like, uh, even the mom and pop stores are, are going to really struggle because obviously they, unless they're going to adapt to online service, they're just not going to survive. So, and also uh, the Disney store, I could probably, they're probably Disney's probably looking at the uh, the Disney stores probably themselves and think, well, if we can just sell this stuff online, why do we need the Disney stores? You know, right. so like, uh, I guarantee you, I think uh, we're going to get to a point where the Disney stores, I think, will basically just be in tourist traps. I think, like, mm-hmm. uh, you, you won't see them on your general high street. I mean, like, there's a reason for the Disney store to exist in uh, where we, what we call the Trafford Center, in, in, um, in the Trafford Center. There's a reason for it to exist because it's, uh, I mean, before the pandemic, it was obviously being planned to be, like, uh, you know, a place where, you know, it's a tourist attraction for people to, like, you know, go shop and, like, do things and that. So, like, uh, that was the, uh, there's a reason to kind of, like, be there for the Disney store to exist over there. But, you know, if it's in your general, like, you know, uh, where you go to get your bread and milk and things like that, like, uh, uh, I mean, a lot of those people, I could probably imagine, if I was going to say, oh, I'll just buy it online. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't surprise me that some of these Disney stores that are, like, located in kind of, like, you know, general vicinities are probably going to disappear. But, I, you know, when they when they put them, like, you know, say, for example, like, in New York City or, like, uh, when they put them in, like, uh, places where you know people are going to be and tourists are going to be there and they're just going to want to shop for the novelty, you know, th- those are the Disney stores that are going to survive. But I think the the general ones, I don't think so. I, I think, I think they're either. gone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, well, we'll let you know about the free and the last dragon <laughs> when we've actually seen it. Yeah, so. sorry, we can't we can't talk about it because I'm not willing to pay thirty dollars. Well, to go I'll, see t- it right I'll now. tell you what, uh, I'm just looking at the reviews now. Ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, that's so, good. That's that's really good yeah. to hear. So uh, it's. Uh, I'm interested to see when we finally see what it's going to be, but uh, tell you what, well, let's move to something that uh, I don't want to see, and that is, uh, uh, well, we made jokes about this many years ago, and now we've got confirmation that this is going to finally happen. SpongeBob SquarePants' Patrick Starr is going to be given his own show. Yep, he sure is, and they just announced it yesterday. So, the fact that Patrick is going to be having his own spin-off series, and it's going to be featuring his family, where it's his parents... His sister, and I think his grandpa, and uh, another family member. So it's going to be about him. And, okay, first of all, the parents are not the same parents that we saw in the episode I'm With Stupid. And his sister is not the same sister that we saw in Big Sister Sam. It's They're completely different designs. So the fact that a lot of people have been complaining about it, I mean, first of all, um, I can understand people complaining about the parents because, you know, I'm With Stupid is one of the more famous uh, season two or season three episodes where they, you know, they thought it, it was really funny where Patrick was hanging around with a group of people that he, that, you know, claimed to be his parents and then they were not in the end. And so that was actually one of the more funnier gags. But again, it was just like a gag thing. And that episode came out almost 20, like, yeah, but almost 20 years ago. So I don't think that a lot of kids would even care about it. And the less said about Big Sister Sam, the better. That episode wasn't even good to begin with. So, uh, but the, I think the main issue is that you know, Patrick Starr is getting his own spin-off series. I don't think of him as, like, a character that needs to be really focused on. Yeah, like, uh, I, I just don't get it. Like, he was basically SpongeBob SquarePants' you know, friend and neighbor. You know, like, yep. uh, he was there just kind of, like, you know, uh, interacting the madness of the SpongeBob SquarePants world. Like, uh, the, mm-hmm. yeah, again, like, uh, you know, and also if you watch the earlier episodes of, uh, of SpongeBob SquarePants, you would not look at Patrick and say, yeah, let's base a show around him. You know, like uh, yeah. that's he became an asshole, like you know, in the in the in the worst of seasons as well. Like you know, like he sure uh, did. yeah, exactly. So you know something? Um, I am really I'm trying to find the tweet that I put out because uh, I'm getting like you know uh, the Cleveland Show and Patrick Sheen vibes all mixing together. Oh, you know? Planet Sheen vibes, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. it's like I I just get I just get this whole uh, this is not going to be good. You know, like, uh, I mean, where are they putting it on as well? Like, is this going to be a Paramount Plus exclusive or is... uh, Yes, it is. It is going to be a Paramount Plus exclusive as well as Camp Coral, which is a Paramount Plus exclusive. And Sponge Out of Water. uh, No, not Sponge Out of Water. Sponge on the Run. I I forget the the, the titles. Yeah, Sponge on the Run, which is the third SpongeBob movie that came out last year, but only aired in in in, certain countries. And now we finally have it. And now it's up on Paramount Plus. So, yeah, they're really starting to push this as, like, its own franchise. You have the movies, you have already the original series, and now you have two spin-off series, and they're planning on another one. They're going to have one on Squidward next. Yeah, why, why would you have a show on Squidward? You know, unless you're going to, like, do something really adult with it. 
You know, like um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think that that Nickelodeon. I mean, I think we we said this last week. Nickelodeon is trying to find its own franchise that they can be able to milk, just but like it, Disney's it, doing. It, yeah, yeah. No, this is the, the this is the wrong way to go about it. Like you, know, you don't just do spin-off shows like your most successful shows, and just like um, and expect one of them just to land. Like, you know, like, uh, the reason why uh, Nickelodeon is in the situation it's in right now is because you can only name one good show, and that's SpongeBob SquarePants. Or at least, you know, at least you could get name one good show, and that was SpongeBob SquarePants. And they've just, they've put all their eggs into one basket, and now they're basically expecting, like, uh, the same egg to, like, you know, do all this other stuff, and just, like, you know, like, you, you've got the Loud House up and coming. You know, like, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you got the Casa Grandes, I get, I get that. But, you know, on top of that as well, like, you need more than just, you know, two shows for everyone to kind of, like, just, you know, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, get themselves around on. You know, like, uh, yeah. yeah, this is uh, this is the wrong direction to go in. I think, yeah, this is, know. like, out of all the shows to do spin-offs on, SpongeBob uh, Imagine, imagine this ends up being, like, Father of the Pride and, like, you know, Patrick Starr isn't a strong enough character to kind of, like, base the show around. So they end up having to, like, bring in, like, uh, you know, uh, Sandy and SpongeBob, you know, for, like, odd episodes just to kind of, like, you know, uh, keep eyeballs on the screen. Like, they had to bring in Donkey, you know, Father of the Pride. Oh my yeah. god, this is going to be Joni Loves Chachi all over again, in which they actually had to bring in, you know, like, the Fonz, and they had to bring in other characters from Happy Days so that the people would be able to, like, tune in and watch. Yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I don't see this being successful. I'm sorry. Like, uh, I just think it's going to be, a oh, once again, we've got more SpongeBob SquarePants. There's some of that as well. They're using this to just try and get, you know, Powerman Plus subscriptions? Fuck off. <laughs> I ain't doing that. Like, you know, I always had enough problems with, uh, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants becoming stale as well. Now you're going to give me more SpongeBob SquarePants, except without SpongeBob SquarePants with, with Patrick Starr? Like, you know, like, I would, you know, I would take the Patakis over this. You know, uh, even though we know where the Patakis would go in regards to, like, oh, the, yeah. the Hey Arnold story. I would, I would take that, you know, way over, you know, um, Patrick Starr. You know, yeah, like, I mean, we've had our fair share of spin-off series, and you know, not. A, I mean, you have to do something unique and different in order for them to stand out. Like, for example, Frasier is a spin-off series off of Cheers. Xena Warrior Princess is a spin-off series of Hercules Legendary Journeys. Angel is a spin-off series on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, you know, shows such as. Um, uh, you know, like, uh, there's a lot of other uh, examples that I want to, you know, talk about, but I don't have the time for. But they did something different. They they featured, you know, characters that were around occasionally, but then they were, like, interesting enough to have their own lives that separated from the main characters. So you have to do that while at the same time be really compelling for people to tune into. You can't just, you know, have a character who is beloved by a lot of people and then be like, oh, he's popular enough to have a spin-off series. Let's put him in here. And, you know, maybe occasionally throw in characters that a lot of people know of to kind of connect everything together. It's like, you're going to end up like Planet Sheen and nobody wants to end up like Planet Sheen. You're going to end up like the Cleveland show and nobody wants to end up like the Cleveland show. Yeah, it's just, it's, uh... My name is Patrick Starr. This show is not that good. Like, you know, just, <laughs> um, this is the only way we can stay relevant. So, say so, what, well, babe? I'll, I'll, um, I'll um, shall I do a wager with you? Uh, maybe sure. We'll, and then we'll probably, we'll, we'll pick it up when uh, the show finally gets cancelled. Uh, how many seasons do you think he'll go for? Um, Camp Coral or the Patrick Starr show? The Patrick Starr show. 
Two. I'll say three. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, you think it's going to get cancelled in two seasons. I think it's going to get cancelled in three. All right, um, then. Sounds I, good. I, at this point, I have no, I have no idea what Chemical Roll is going to do. So like, I have no idea either. Yeah. So, uh, okay. There we go. And final. Uh, and- oh, so, go on. Uh, I was going to say that uh, we actually missed a report. Uh, we were going to talk about uh, the Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Orlando. Did we? I, I do yep. apologize, everybody. Like, uh, is my eyesight going? Like, uh, that's... Yeah, it, w- it was after the Dr. Seuss, but before the TCM uh, cancel culture argument. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, because I remember now. I do apologize. I, so we skipped over the that because I wanted, I wanted to get the TCM one out of the way, and then we just got carried away with that. So I do, I do apologize, everybody. So Don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah, okay. Right. Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios at Orlando has been delayed uh, Has been delayed until 2025. I mean, like, um, it's a pretty safe thing to do. I mean, like, yeah. uh, I mean, the the reason why the one in Japan is doing so well is obviously because they got a, a better control over the coronavirus. Uh, yeah, there at the they're moment. burning their masks in barrels. No, exactly. They're not. They're not doing that. So obviously, there's um, thought of like them opening Super Nintendo World, and also it's Super Nintendo World in Japan. Of course, people are going to go to it. So of course, it's going to be successful. But uh, I mean, in regards to America, I think. Uh, I mean, I think they're playing it safe. And uh, I think uh, they're saying, okay, let's give it until 2025. You know, no doubt it'll... Ha- by 2025, I think you'll have a phenomenal debut, I think, by that time. So, like, uh, it, so as far as I'm concerned, it's uh, uh, it's a good move by Nintendo to do. Like, uh, just put it off until, you know, it's uh, probably ready to be released, and then after that, you can always go from there. So... Yeah, I mean, I am just as disappointed as all of you guys that we are not able to have uh, Universal Studios Orlando out because, I mean, if if it wasn't for this pandemic, then yes, I would go there in a heartbeat if it were to open. Originally, it was supposed to open in 2023, but because they want to keep themselves safe and knowing that not a lot of people are going to be going to Universal Studios, they decided to delay it for another two years, which... Yes, I, I am sad about it, but I, I, th- this is the best thing that they could have done. Yeah. And I was trying to think, in regards to the decision-making, like, who's pulling the strings here? Is it Nintendo or is it Universal Studios? Like, Most likely Universal is doing this. Yeah, so, uh, because, uh, I don't know, like, uh, keep in mind, like, uh, they are uh, yeah, they, they are basically keeping Illumination Studios under the hammer at the moment in regards to, like, you know, the Mario movie that's going to be coming out soon. Yes. So, like, uh, so, um, I don't know, like, uh, interesting to see if it was either... You know, Nintendo's call. If it was, um, it was all under studio. If it was Universal Studios' call, it would be. Uh, interesting to see who uh, who was the decision maker in that. Really. Yeah. So. Well. Yeah. For sure. But. Yeah, we'll have to wait another four years for us to experience uh, Super Nintendo World in Orlando. Well, it's not like we were going to do anything uh, right now, was it? So. Like, nah, uh, fair enough. That, that's true. We weren't. Yeah. Okay. And finally, uh, Lola Bully's Decentralized Space Jam 2 redesign is to spark an immense debate. Really? Has it? Yes. Yes, it has. So, uh, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of Lola Bunny for Space Jam 2, but... I have they done, yes. removed. Okay, so they removed her breasts. And everybody's freaking out. Saying, oh, now you you did that? What are you going to do next? Are you going to, uh, you know, do anything else to remove, uh, you know, other parts that, you know, they didn't have? It's like, are you serious? Are you serious? You know, like, uh, uh, now, you know, now that uh, people are publicly outing themselves as furries, 
Like, you know, like, uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, at least we now know who is what and, like, who's not secretly a furry. So, like, I guess that's the best thing that's came out of this news. But, um, I mean, uh, in regards to, I mean, here's the thing about this. Like, uh, I mean, it, it worked in the first movie because obviously the whole joke is is that he, she was going to be this whole, you know, uh, over, over, you know, uh, sexualized love interest for Bugs Bunny to obviously keep, uh, you know, him in the game and everything like that. And then, you know, but uh, then that was Space Jam back in the 90s. Fast forward now to only, like, uh, 2018, only a couple of years ago. And then Lola Bunny is reintroduced as, you know, this uh, really, you know, eccentric, you know, uh, female, co co you know, uh, comical character who then is, uh, was, she was desexualized then and no one cared. I, yeah. I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I can understand, you know, oh, it's a different interpretation of Lola Bunny. You know, in Space Jam, she looked like this. It's like, do you even care? I don't care. I mean, I I didn't even expect this movie on, to even exist. On top of that as well, like, uh, they've already pretty much said that this is going to be a kids' movie, so it's not for the generation who grew up with the original Space Jam movie, it's for all the kids of today. And the kids of today know Lola Bunny from the Looney Tunes show. So, like, uh, yeah. So, like, uh, the um, the idea that uh, all of a sudden she should just, like, you know, be, you know, the next generation of Jessica Rabbit, I think it's just is, uh, you know, ironically, it's just, you know, is, um... You know, it doesn't match with uh, what kids grew up with Lola Bunny to actually be, and that's the Lola Bunny we know from the Looney Tunes show. Uh, you know, this is one of the reasons why I wrote my Media Hall of Fame video in the first place, was because, you know, if you were to be a general fan of animation just like you know n not a person who's in like a community or um even like friends with people who are hardcore fans and if you were to see this stuff online where people are complaining about stuff like oh um you know they they desexualize this character i hate it now it's like how are you personally going to feel about it you're going to think that oh you know the fans have gotten out of control and they're acting kind of dumb because of of reason that shouldn't even be a reason to complain about i mean you know complain about other justifiable things you know complain about people not getting proper treatment you know an, an unemployment or you know complain about you know the government's not being able to help people who have lost well, their businesses or I something mean, like, like that. Uh, i mean we've already gone over that like uh, i mean in regards to like uh you know, this is like uh, people complaining about this. Like, uh, you know, it just it's uh, again, like, I just think that uh, they made a decision of like saying, like, okay, well, Lola Bunny is not what the kids grew up with, you know, back in the Space Jam of, of the 90s. That was kind of like, you know, uh, a product of its time. And uh, as, well, as well, like, you know, um, the uh, Looney Tunes themselves have gone through evolutions over the last, you know, century. If you, yes. if you will. So, like, you know, they were, you know, Bugs Bunny, when he first debuted, was incredibly different from where he was now. And oh, so, yeah. like, uh, so it's natural for Looney Tunes characters over the decades and over the, uh, you know, over the time that Warner Brothers has been in business for them to obviously change with the times or change with, uh, you know, or give them basically a new gimmick or give them something new to actually work with to uh, get over with, you know, the fans of today. And so, and, absolutely. You know, and when they changed Lola Bunny and made her into probably one, like one of the one of the most funniest characters in the Looney Tunes show, you know the new generation that came in and everyone was you know raving about how you know uh, she was you know really hilarious. So working with Daffy Duck and working with uh, various other uh, characters in the show, when all of that worked, like uh, you know you shouldn't blame everyone to turn around and say, oh hey, you know, well that variation of Lola Bunny worked really well in the. Um, 
in 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 this variation of the show. This is the movie that we're now going to do pretty much for that generation. So let's just use that version of Lola Bunny and let's just you know say that oh hey that was a a different time in a different place. You know like uh, yeah yeah I don't blame Warner Brothers for using something that works. Lola Bunny yeah. in this generation works. Let them use yeah. that because that's where what the movie's aimed at. Yeah, like I mean, what do you remember about Lola Bunny and Space Jam? Not much. To be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, not much. She exactly. was probably, you know, mind you, um, the original Space Jam was not that good. Let, let's all be honest about that. It was pretty terrible. You know, Michael Jordan is a very wooden actor, and he only knows how to play himself. And, uh, you know, the, the Looney Tunes were watered down to hell. You know, like, uh, they were not all that great either. And so, you know, uh, you know, out of all the characters, I think, you know, um, they were, you know, Lola Bunny was pretty low down on the totem pole. And, and, you know, for a movie of, like, watered-down Looney Tunes characters, like, I mean, i got to be honest, like, I really thought that Lola Bunny was basically going to become the, the crystal of Looney Tunes. I thought, like, you know, this is going to be a character that we saw, you know, a, a long time ago, but we'll never see again. You know, yeah, like, she's like she. She would have been like the Venus de Milo in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles group, in which like you know we need to add this character in because we need more female representation. Because I mean, other than Granny and Witch Hazel, you don't have a lot of, or and occasionally Petunia Pig, you don't have a lot of female representation in Looney Tunes. So I take it that this was like their attempt of trying to add in a female character into the lineup. No, I don't and think so. I think it was just a, it, it was basically just going to be a love interest for Bugs Bunny. That's uh-huh. what that's what she was. So okay, but but now she has expanded since then. Where in the Looney Tunes show she is just as crazy as Daffy and Bugs, where she can be right up there as like one of the best characters featured. And it was all thanks to not only the writing of the show, but also Kristen Wiig's portrayal of Lola Bunny, which I'm hoping that she comes back to be Lola Bunny in the movie. I I doubt that they are because I think they're going into a a different direction than what the Looney Tunes show did. But, you know, I, I would like to see, you know, the Lola Bunny that I saw in the Looney Tunes show in this new Space Jam movie, I, I would like to see you know her playing basketball, but at the same time maybe be a little bit psychotic while doing it. I think that'll be hilarious. I think that's going to be the idea behind it. But uh, so like uh, this is the I think this is the version of uh, Lola Bunny that they're going to go with. Of I course, think. because and- I mean, other than you know, oh, don't ever call me doll. It's like please, yeah, yeah right. It's just it's. Uh- that's not what we're uh, going with here, and so, and you know, like uh, again, like it's just, um, you know, I, at one point I was actually asking you, Patricia, why are we putting this like in the and finally section? But uh, now that we actually talked it over through, like I kind of understand why we did it. But yes, yeah, there, there's a reason why because, like I said before, I mean, it's like with the Mr. Potato argument that we did last week, where people are complaining that oh, now Mr. Potato's gender neutral. It's like. It's kind of always been gender neutral. Like, if you were yeah. to take like the the actual essence of the potato, like you know, remove all the the clothes and the eyes and the and the hair, like it's gender neutral. You could make it it's into whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. It's a potato. Anyway, let's let's, let's, let's not open that up again. But so uh, you know, no, like, no, no, no. Uh, but I'm, I'm trying to bring I'm trying to bring up a point yeah. that. People are just complaining about the stupidest things. It's like there's a lot more worse things to complain about. And just focus your energy on something else. Yeah. And with that, I think uh, maybe we should uh, let everyone focus on something else for a while. So. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> cool. All right, then. 
So thanks everybody to take care, and uh, we will see you next week. And also, uh, just keep an eye out as well over the next uh, couple of weeks or so, because uh, In Search of the Crystal Skull is going to be returning very soon, and so uh, we'll be letting you know more information as it comes through. So uh, thanks everybody, take care, and bye for now. See you later.